Hello and welcome to Power Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we talk about Wabo's most Christmassy work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold, and uh, thank you to Taddy Bojangles for helping make that descriptor of the arc somewhat relevant. <laughs> yep. Um, God fucking hell, what an opening to a chapter, huh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're coming at you live in the Discord, as usual, and... Uh, you can you too can join the Discord if you want to help us figure out a discussion question live before the episode's over. <laughs> uh, yep, because we did not prepare it. Uh, but speaking of things you should prepare, the fan art contest is going on. So prepare yourself to do a redemption themed piece of fan art by July twenty second. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Not much else to say but, on that uh, one. You, you, you know, you have the potential to win money. So, yes. also, you make cool fan art. Mm-hmm. That's a win-win. Um, yeah, we got a couple of A-tier chapters here today, folks. So oh, let's yeah. get into them. Uh, starting with nineteen eleven, <laughs> where Verona is talking to Tatty Bojangles, who wants to attack the Wild Hunt, and Verona struggles to convince her that this would be a bad idea. But Ruben, imagine the cred. I don't feel yeah. like you're imagining the cred. No, I think that would be good. I did like the discussion of the um, of the, all the goblins who have gone down in infamy, like the one who jumped through the helicopter. No, was that it? <laughs> yeah, jumped through helicopter yeah. blades. Um, so impressive that even humans talk about them, which is great. Um, but they did not survive the attempt. An important factoid as a part of this is they did die. Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of helps add to the mythos, right? Like, they're not around <laughs> to continue to be a piece of shit afterwards. So, yeah. And that is how we become immoral. That's what she said. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. This, this also chapter also begins with Verona teaching Pecos not about gun safety, which I think is funny because, like, it's ridiculous, of course, because <laughs> it's about his butt, but also, like, it's part of this theme of Verona being actually helpful in her own way to the goblins this chapter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, it's it's that weird kind of, like, this is what doing your part to reform goblins looks like, is <laughs> applying gun safety to their assholes. Yes. Um, so well Verona. Yeah, I also think there's, like, a really fun, um, like, push and pull that starts to happen here because, like, you know, Teddy Bojangles used to be, like... Pecosnot's leader right like when he came to Kennet he was part of her crew and yep. we still see how like susceptible he is to her sort of hype like he's very mm. much he keeps getting on board with her here and it starts to turn into this fun thing where like Verona is very much trying to be like hey Pecosnot like you see how stupid this is right like <laughs> like it, it leads to this fun sort of yanking him back and forth vibe because he's obviously pretty um, allied with Verona now so like yeah it, it makes me think, like, you know, if you lean into the sort of children, oh, goblins are children metaphor, like, if Pegasnot is this sort of kid, Verona has, like, soft-adopted, Taddy is, like, the bad influence kid who she's trying to get him to stop hanging out with because, like, you know, Taddy just leads him into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well done, Verona. <laughs> <laughs> um, Taddy, again, you know, this, I think, is going to uh, potentially annoy you, Elliot, but... I find Taddy annoying as a goblin. <laughs> Again, in the same way that I found Biscuit annoying. Like, I like goblins like Pecosnot and Toad who are good. 
solid liquid, <laughs> and I don't like goblins like Teddy and Biscuit who are borderline or bad. This, uh, I definitely find Taddy like fun annoying. If that makes sense, like yes. I'm fully on board with her dumb bullshit. I think I'd be like right next to Verona, where it's like, I love your energy, but can we get you to do this in a way that's less suicidal? Yeah, um, yeah, but like similar to Biscuit, I think they have that Taddy is terrible. I, I'm not going to agree with you on the Biscuit part. <laughs> that's, that's not happening. I'll get you. I'll get you one day. <laughs> um. I also wanted to call it this funny line as as they like enter um the domain and and Taddy uh like fucking chases Verona in like the Terminator um uh, Verona like calls out to Lucy and and Lucy sort of says oh yeah yeah I I heard you come in I'll I'll, I'll be down in a minute and um then Verona turns to Taddy and he's like cool now that we're away from prying ears and like starts explaining and I just I love that like just that little joke there that you know Lucy isn't prying ears, even though she just admitted she can <laughs> hear them. She's literally prying ears. Yeah, like, but but the good kind. Yeah, um, I don't know, just, prying ears. Just a funny little Verona moment where she she works in some unintentionally. Oh, uh, sorry, unnecessary. Uh, little wordplay. Mm. Um. So yeah, Verona Verona gets to the domain as you mentioned. Lucy's here, and they chat away from prying ears, from prying fey ears and eyes. <laughs> And yeah, Lucy's not doing so hot at the moment, right? Like um, the losses are piling up and, and we're seeing Verona um, is noticing that. Um, and it's making Lucy feel like a failure, which is not technically wrong because she has failed a fair amount. But I think something that this chapter and next chapter do somewhat point out is the wins that Lucy is getting are kind of... I don't know. They're there as mm-hmm. well, right? Like Anthem is obviously a big one. Yeah. Um, Ver- but but more intangibly, like Verona calls out uh, in the next chapter that without Lucy's influence, she would just be a bad practitioner probably, right? Um, and, yeah. and people like Nicolette probably are in a similar vein of like, or, or maybe Zed, or that's probably more of an everything. Um, like Lucy's calling out of people's shittiness is actually making a change. So... You know, you've done some good ones too, Lucy. Yeah, it's it, it, it's because right, I, I suppose, like you know, what we're really seeing here, and, and we touched on this last week. Um, it, like Lucy, so much defines herself by she wants to make things better and enact justice, and like enemies like Musser and the Winter Court are, are just so terribly like triggering for her in that regard because their whole thing is that they're static and immovable. Um, yeah. I, and I'm like this is just sort of the natural follow-on from that really low point we saw lucy in last week in the hospital bed like this is the emotional follow-through of just like she's starting to get better now like physically like she's healing from her injuries but there's still this aspect of like she, she still can't do anything like even if she completely heals from her injuries then what you know like she's still where she was when she got exsanguinated right like Mm. it doesn't help um and and so that's like what's really getting to it and you know lucy even sort of does our job for us and and brings up how this is like her aspect of what each kenneteer secretly wanted when they awoke like she's like oh avery probably wanted you know partnership and friendship you obviously wanted to you know escape your humanity and i wanted to be able to you know beat the shit out of dick dickheads and that's it's not happening for her and that's just driving her nuts Like, like yeah it's so powerful yeah um yeah and so it's like and yeah it, it it just makes sense where it's like she's not seeing the victories she has gotten because of course you're going to focus on these big bads that 
you can't do anything about. Like that's just going to sit in your head and, and eat you alive. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Verona does well here. She is supportive to Lucy and kind of helps t- t- by ch- t- letting her know she's taking on more responsibility in a way that's not, hopefully not overstepping and doesn't feel like infantilizing or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Like, I mean, as you can see from <laughs> our notes, Ruben, I have a fair bit to talk about for this section. Um, yep. Uh, but like, I think, I think the thing that really hit it for me, like with how Verona is handling Lucy is obviously it's like, um, the big thing that, that jumps out pretty much straight away is Lucy is using like a lot of language that I would have attributed to like, uh, past iterations of Verona. Like, uh, she doesn't, she calls herself defective rather than broken, but that, you know, that almost just mm. feels like Walbo went to the thesaurus <laughs> and, and, um, like just her whole vibe about how, like, she's feeling insecure about pulling her weight. She, she's, you know, worried that she's just going to come across as whiny. Like it's, it, it's very much where Verona was seven or eight arcs ago, uh, is kind of what it feels like. Um, and, and so I guess I, I, I kind of wanted to talk a bit about like what I, what I, what my lesson or what my takeaway has been from like Verona's turnaround. Um, Cause we've talked a lot this arc about, you know, how Verona is in so much of a better spot than she was at any other point in the story, this arc. Um, and I almost feel like, you know, while things like the domain and the remote schooling and uh, all that sort of stuff, like were, were factors, I feel like the real special source of why we've seen Verona improve so much is the way she started to spend time with other like misfits and weirdos, basically. Um, and like obviously, you know, the domain was was a, a part of why she was able to do that. But I think if you took the domain away and she was still doing this, we would have seen most of the same turnaround. Because um, I, I, like while Verona has always been like, oh, you know, anti-society and fitting in and, and all that, like she's always been a bit counterculture. I think that that was like kind of coming from a place of insecurity for most of the story. Like, uh, you know, if we compare her to to Lucy and Avery, they're people who also fell through the cracks, but they're ultimately the sort of people who can thrive in a Kennet above sort of vibe. And so when they got like power through Miss or whatever, they were able to climb back into happiness in Kennet above's sort of setting. And I think like Verona sort of saw herself as broken and falling behind because she wasn't achieving along that same metric. Mm. Um, sorry, Waterfall just posted a great comment uh, in the chat, which is that like her counter culture stuff wasn't necessarily because she wanted it it was just she knew she didn't want society and yes. that, that's a great point yeah. that's she, she didn't want something else oh yeah she didn't want something specific she just wanted something else and that that's where this insecurity came into it for me so um it, it, yeah it was like you know lucy and avery were, were fundamentally kennard above compatible so their their power got them back there and verona was sort of getting power but wasn't falling back into kennard above and i feel like that's where all her insecurities around being a failure was sort of coming from and why she thought she was broken um like to reference that tired old Einstein thing that you know often gets abused. It, it, she was a fish trying to climb a tree, basically. Um, and now that she's kind of pivoted to spending her time with weirdos from you know Mal and Luna Hare or even Macaulay, like the other people who she was helping and specifically making sure that she wasn't helping them towards Kennet above, but was helping them, I guess, find their own way. It, like I think that that's helped her accept in a, on a more fundamental level that like you know she didn't need to aim to be part of Kennet above because she saw all these people who that also didn't apply to um like i guess you know she expanded her view of humanity and that helped her accept her own essentially um mm. and like we're seeing we're seeing that again in this chapter like we've talked a lot in arc 19 about how much better Verona's doing it's like here 
she um, talks about how lonely the domain is. And before that was like a terrible thing that we were worried about. Now she's just kind of like, yeah, you have to do something about that. Then she gets gainsaid. And like that used to drive her up the fucking wall. Whereas this, this chapter where, you know, we're about to go over, she gets gainsaid and it just dials her up to 11 and she gets even more effective and scary. Um, so it's like, she's just got this internalized momentum now. And I think it can all be attributed to, uh, hanging out with not Lucy and Avery basically and broadening her understanding of what success looks like. Okay. Um, and so I guess like to, to flip over back to Lucy, um, mm. as Lucy says, she's kind of been going the opposite way. Like she's losing people like, you know, obviously mm. John and Gil are basically Gil's essentially gone at this point. Um, awarenting her mom has actually like increased their distance and like yeah. Mia and Wallace are, fine but they don't really hit all the marks she needs and like uh, god i feel like i'm talking about how we used to talk about roni just listing all yeah, the people yeah, in their it's lives very it's similar like, isn't it <laughs> um and I, I think for lucy like to to touch on the the things she brought up like for verona verona found her strength by finding connections to people who had different kinds of humanity and all that and i think lucy gets her strength from having her connections to to strong people hers, hers is a bit more like straightforward and literal in that sense like um I guess, yeah, the problem for Lucy is that, you know, she's now lost all of these strong people in her life. And so she's her, her situation is closer to where Verona was before, where Verona didn't have those connections to the weirdos as much. Or Lucy's now connected to, yeah, like, like you're all less connected to yeah, John and, and um, her mum and stuff. And so, yeah, when you lump that on top of being against an enemy whose whole thing is that they're too strong, like it's just, of course this is putting her in that same headset or that same mindset that, you know, Verona used to be in. Um, and that's why yeah. it's like, that's why it's like Verona is just the perfect person to help her here mm. because well, Verona has been there. Like that's the obviously obvious part, but also now that Verona's like found this version of her own strength through her weirdos, it's like Verona basically, I feel like the, what Verona really does in this conversation is remind Lucy that she's now a strong person that she's connected to which is just such a nice thing after, you know, their relationship has kind of been in shambles for months. Uh, Verona's able to turn around and basically demonstrate that, you know, she's ready to stand here and help Lucy kick ass. And that that's mm. what Lucy needed. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, that, that was just my long-winded way of getting to this point. It's like Verona has become the sort of strong Verona's person well-placed. Lucy's after. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And that's uh, that's sort of I, I just love that like this is that thing you know as they've grown apart it's made them better at connecting with each other like I just love this whole like good boys style you don't have to be best friends with your childhood best friend but you're still going to be absolutely kick ass together like, mm. I just I just want them to dunk on Marissa so hard as a trio when they're like even more <laughs> in sync than they used to be because of how they've yep. grown like she's the one who tore them apart and that just needs to come back and bite her in the ass because now it's made them even stronger. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that's that's kind of the thing I was going to question of like, okay, I, I see what you're saying with, like, I agree with Verona having grown and Lucy having turned into a Verona, which is tragic. Um, but yeah, like, what's the purpose or what's the, what are we building towards? And I the idea of this being the way for them to unify and become, like, strengthen individually so that they're even more of a, of a, unified cohesive group when they're back together to to keep yeah. Marissa's ass I think is a great uh combination of that so I like it well and I also think for Lucy I could see this heading towards uh her needing to I guess reevaluate what she's looking for like 
because obviously you know we, we we've memed uh, a, a lot about like her whole you know father figures dropping off like flies thing um but like it, i don't think it's an accident that like a lot of those father figures also fit this same like they they emanated strength right like the reason she gravitated towards john is he made her feel safe and mm. stronger when he was around same with Guillaume. and i i wonder if lucy's gonna have to look at like broadening her ideas of what strength looks like in these sorts of connections or maybe relying on the west because she's a fucking badass now um i i I don't know exactly but i I think this is going to sort of be the next step in lucy's journey is um coming to rely less on needing you know big strong men or whatever around and, and being able to rely on different kinds of strength or something yeah yeah right yeah uh, get the the veronas in her life get some you know you well, got miss waterfall pulls out another interesting point which is wallace kind of goes against that although that is kind of seemingly a little fraught we get in this conversation but yeah yeah i don't know um no exactly i i had that thought too like and that, that's what's always been interesting to me about him as like a as a partner for lucy is he doesn't hit the sort of beats that you'd normally think and i think even lucy has thought that like when they when she first got interested in him issues very much like this isn't the sort of guy i pictured myself going for um so maybe that is sort of part of this first step in realizing that you know she's not after that same sort of strength anymore mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess i guess we'll see i don't know um, also I'm, I'm seeing people comment that uh she needs to get anthem as 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 another like yeah teacher and i, do I can like it a lot the idea yeah I think we brought that up in Anthem's interlude. Yeah. Like those two would be absolutely fire together. I think Lucy's exactly what the good parts of Anthem were looking for in a sort of daughter figure. And yeah, if Anthem's at all reformed, generally those two would be like such a great duo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to see the Anthem and Lucy apprenticeship. Arc. I think <laughs> that'd be really fun. Um, but yeah, so uh, after Verona and Lucy have this chat, Verona then kind of has another chat with Taddy, kind of giving her some good advice here, which is great. Um, Verona's much yeah. nicer to Taddy than she deserves. She's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare you? Taddy's fun. She, she means well. She's just, it's, you know, it's the same as like Carrie Pop, right? Like, yes. You know, with both the Carrie Pops, you got to sort of be like, look, you know, you mean well, but you just but need some help. Too young, you know. It, it, like to to for it to feel see taddy doesn't feel that much older to i don't me. know maybe but, the, yeah, maybe I mean, this is know. maybe this is the di- the main difference in how we see them it's like taddy feels to me like a a 10 year old versus a seven year old sort of vibes mm. yeah maybe i don't know um but yeah no the the way verona switches back to giving taddy help is very much it's like it, it's leaning into that vibe of her whole mo around like pulling the good stuff out of the bad. She's like, okay, she, she's presented with something as useless as Taddy, and she's like, how can I make this something good? Um, and, and it's funny because she basically tells Taddy to get herself a Lucy. Um, there's obviously another comparison to this that gets brought up next chapter, but like, what jumped out to me about the advice Taddy gave here is like, Verona used to get so mad at Lucy for always shooting down her ideas. Um like verona is kind of a strategist too i'm not saying she's just an ideas person but like this was a a common source of conflict between the two of them where verona had ideas and lucy would shut them down and now verona is at a point where she can sort of say yeah i think us ideas people need 
somebody who can help point out the flaws in our plans because you won't necessarily see the flaws in your own plan. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just I just thought that was a nice uh, again moment of reflection on their new relationship that Verona can now appreciate that she needs uh, a bit of a no person in her life. Yeah, no, I think it's it is very good advice. It's like exactly the advice that Teddy seems to need. Yeah, um, which begs the question. Taddy seems to have a person in mind for who her like shit tear toad swallow is going to be. Who do who do you think it is? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a is it a goblin that we've seen? It might not even be a goblin. Like it could be like Liberty or someone, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, she Verona keeps mentioning it doesn't have to be a goblin, but the way yeah. Taddy carries on makes me think that she didn't really listen to that part. Yes. Um. Like. Gashwad is maybe my best guess, and that doesn't even feel like a good guess. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But, like, the thing about Gashwad is, like, he's going to say no to pretty much any plan, so it's one of those things where if Gashwad is, if Gashwad is like, yes, let's team up to do that, you know it must be a pretty good plan. Mm. Um, I don't want any of the goblins to have to play this role to Taddy. <laughs> I mean, the only other idea I have is I don't think we really know anything about Buddy McBudbutt as a person. Um, we just know he's obscenely smooth, but I, I don't know if we've ever really seen him on screen. So yeah. he's a candidate just because I'm like, I don't know what he's like. Maybe he fits the bill. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, so the girls prepare to leave and get interrupted by a wild hunter who just does a quick cheeky gain, say, on Verona. <laughs> just in and out. Bada bing, bada boom. I mean, the pattern's been established. It was easy to pull off. Um, nobody gets gainsaid quite like Verona. Um, uh, before we get into the, 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 I do what I call it. I love like Lucy calls in the dog tags because, of course, she has all of their tags. Um, and I guess this is just one of our few insights into how their growth is looking outside of Lucy's perspective because usually we see this through Lucy and that's like a very fraught friendship there so it's, it's kind of fun to see what they look like to verona and i love how they're like they're doing things like building this shorthand of bs10 um to describe fairy bullshit and stuff like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing them in real time grow as people and become <laughs> more like john and it's just yes. so fun yeah yeah it is good um, stuff isn't it yeah and, and but, but not quite just like john as well because they're still a squad like i love how we've got ribs here very much acting as like the voice in the group of just like just burn it down down. yeah yeah like like you could see them growing into this squad where all of them are as rounded off in john in their own way but they're still very much their own personalities like rib can grow and learn a lot more but he's still probably going to suggest just exploding shit Mm. and you know grandfather's still going to have to deal with his nonsense like it's it's such a fun experience watching them grow like this I, i love it yeah um yeah no it is very good uh, I love there's this moment where Lucy says to Verona, don't over-volunteer information to a cop, which is 100% right. And then exactly that is what gets Verona gainsaid. It's like she's being too <laughs> clever and just walks straight into a trap. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty perfect as a moment because, like, <laughs> yeah, as you said, like, it was one of those moments as well where, like, Lucy mentioned the the wild hunt, viewing the wild hunters cops, and it's like, fuck, how do we miss that last week? That's so good. Yeah, like, they are good. The the wild viewing the this winter fay investigation is like unfairly cop like. It's just such a great connection for Lucy's experience in that classroom. Um, but yeah, it pretty immediately gets overshadowed by just the hilariousness of like. 
fucking fairy and this bullshit of you're not who I you you know I'm not who you thought I was yeah. trick like how many it's times cl- it's the fake trick <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely I think the only thing this book has pulled more is tricking us into not thinking a dream is a dream <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah no, I, I, it's, I like, it's good you can't you just can't ever make a definitive statement about who a fae is it's never <laughs> yeah. gonna work just yeah just stop trying um or even what they are apparently um and, and this is funny because i think we brought it up last week but like the 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 winter fae lucy for well presumed winter fae that lucy for yeah. last week Good. um well done <laughs> was sort of like oh you know not all of us are even really from the winter court and i was a bit like yeah but what does that actually mean like i was like yeah. i get it but what does that effectively mean and the answer is this is that yeah like you know they they sort of tricky and it, it also i think like kind of hypes up so blowing the horn seemingly actually means calling in the actual winter fairy like it makes the it makes the winter court seem even scarier that their wild hunt isn't even them it's like the people who aren't even allowed in it's if there's winter fate in there i imagine that it's some sort of exile or something and then it's mostly just like yeah chump aware and, and people that you know that they don't even want inside the the gates mm. um it's so like blowing the horn represents calling in the actual people you need to worry about and we already can't deal with these guys it's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> oh fey um, so yeah, Verena's gain said, whoops, uh, but luckily she takes a lesson out of Charles's page, literally explicitly, and says, you know what, I can use some cool tools, even though I'm gain said. Um, <laughs> she brings back her fetch. I mean, Verena's making some wild decisions this chapter. She brings back her fetch, who her is, fairy definitely sentient, <laughs> is definitely sentient, 100% maybe going to murder her. <laughs> I, I was so happy when this happened. Like even yeah, I know. Even though it's you're insane, like, why are we bringing the fetch now while we're surrounded by evil fairy? Like wild choice to lean on your fairy based magic while running from these guys. But also, like I was honestly low key quite mad that the fetch plotline seemingly got dropped right as it got interesting, and it was just one of those moments of oh, I should have had faith in Wildbo. Of course, he was just waiting for the time to bring it back. Like. Because yeah, it, genuinely, I was I was actually kind of mad that we'd seemingly got started dealing with this sentient fetch and then just dropped it. Yeah, um, I'm glad it's back because like, okay, like the fetch is definitely sentient now, right? Like clearly, hundred yeah. yeah. percent, and it's kind of terrifying. And there are a few times in the chapter where Verona's like, "Oh, you know, don't murder me" or whatever. And the fetch is like, oh, blah, 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 something completely unrelated, right? And it's very clearly a complete dodge of the, the point. Um, yeah, she never she never fully says she doesn't plan to murder Verona. <laughs> yeah, I would even go further and say it seems like she completely is avoiding it. Um, well, you just don't want to commit to anything, you know? Like, uh, yeah, why, why limit your options? Well, look, as the fetch points out, she doesn't want to get packed back away in the box, which seems like her right as a, as a sentient being now. Mm. Considering Verona is probably you know inclined to put her back in the box i I think it's fair to not promise you know at the very well you know you you just don't want to lock yourself out of options yeah um but but yeah so kind of the fetch is kind of terrifying on one hand but on the other hand there's a moment where it and verona make finger guns at each other so (laughs) what more do you want you know yeah they have an absolutely delightful uh like 
I don't know, uh, repartee, uh, like it's just, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm the opposite to you. I just refuse to believe that Verona and Fetch Verona aren't going to be best friends. Yeah, no, um, it is a very Verona thing to do to like intentionally dodge the, that question. And, and it's also like, I, I just, just thinking about it, I guess, from like w- what I think we could explore with this, this angle, like in the story as Verona has like really started to accept herself and is, you know, doing that through helping other weirdos, uh, you know, as I, as I blabbed on about before, now she kind of has a literal copy of herself. Who's a mm. weirdo that needs help. Like, yeah. What a, you know, what sort of person gets the chance to use a literal reflection of themselves to reflect on themselves? Like it's, it's fucking wild and I can't wait to see where it goes. Mm. Like uh, having, having to help, the evil clone of yourself mark out a, a space for life for itself is such a such a tall order i can't wait mm, yeah um so yeah great stuff fetch welcome to the party great timing as well like do you do you let the fetch just move into the house on half street like surely you do yeah i guess i don't know I, I've heard the last time we saw the fetch, it wanted to go to school and stuff as well. So the really interesting thing yeah. is, it's not going to be that it's a copy of Verona, but like where it differs. Like, how do you? Because she's not just trying to think of what would make her happy. She's got to think about what makes this slightly different version of her happy. Mm. Oh, it's, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Verona then decides to spend a day heading out in a boat and heading back travel to the Carmine's territory to demand an audience. And I mean, this is like a good cliffhanger, <laughs> but to the chapter we're about to discuss. So, you know, I don't think there's that much to talk about with it. Yeah, it, but it, it was very, like, while you're between the chapters, it's just such a hype moment because it's, I mean, as you said, it's like Verona gets knocked down and then she's like, well, better hit myself while I'm down and fucking go see Charles. Like, it's such a, it's such a baller play. Yeah. Um. Uh, I, I, okay, one thing before we do move on also that's worth calling out. Verona does note that um, She Who Drowns by Moonlight is keeping a watch over her for part of this as well as a bit of a favour to Avery, which just is yet another testament to how much fucking pull Avery has in the debate right now. Like, I feel like Avery has become the 2IC of Thunder Bay, right? Like, I know Anne Wint probably thinks she still is, but I feel like the Lord's going to trust Avery over everyone else there. Like in, in six months, this 14 year old girl has essentially become the most powerful practitioner in Thunder Bay. Mm, yeah. I just love um, it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, should we get into, uh, let's get into the next chapter. Um, so yeah, I mean, Verona lands the boat and walks over to start talking to Charles and there's a few little interactions on the way. Yeah, I love how the signpost for Charles's domain is small animals eating the big prey animals. Like mm. it's, it's birds eating a bear and stuff. It's very... Because yeah. it, I think the only signpost we'd seen before this was like the the one for the alabaster's domain, which was like a deer or, you know, some innocent animal where it's like, Charles couldn't just have violent animals. He had to have the, you know, the little the little guys picking on the big guy because that's yes. what he's about, Reuben. Yes, you exactly. Know. Because he's a hero. He's a champion. <laughs> he's, he's the people's champion. Yeah. Um, I also like that we just get a quick horrific monster guarding the door with a weapon that's yeah. like a living mangled torso that's like sentient and then its owner just kind of shuts it up by shaking it into submission. Like, it's great. It's fucked up. Great stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just this hilarious bit of like completely unnecessary deck 
like, like decoration and muscle by Charles. Like, yeah, does he really need this guy? Like, it just feels like show. Yeah. Um, similarly, like he takes all of her magic uh, items away. Life. Yeah. And it's a bit like, come on, bro, really? Like, you're the Carmine, and you think you know Verona's lumpy piece of flesh is gonna do shit? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Also, sorry, she she calls her lump of flesh uh, similar to a, a Hachiwachi, mm. which what a fun Tamagotchi ripoff name! Like Hachiwachi, <laughs> well that's so good. Wildboat needs to like like if writing ever doesn't work out, he can pivot into like brand stuff because like the names he comes up for shit in these stories is it's they're so good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this conversation with Charles starts and it is a bit of a tense tone to kick off. Yeah. Uh, Verona very much comes in swinging. Yeah. Um, but it's cool that, you know, this is intentional from Verona's part. She decides to play hardball and then kind of get softened up in quotes over the start of the chat. So that was fun to kind of want to reread, keep an eye on. <laughs> Yeah, like, especially because, it, like, it's so genius because hitting him with the Undercity vibe, it's like, well, he made that. Like, you know, like, it, it's not like some, you know, weird petty play or whatever. It's like, oh, he created the Undercity as his version of how he thinks things need to go. So I'm going to copy that vibe to connect yep. with him. Like, yeah, yeah, it's genius. It's a good play. Yeah, Bruno is um, definitely doing some good plays here. And, and like it'd work on me. Like I'm just gonna say it, but like I can like I'm. It's just so much easier to trust someone who comes in and is just like very upfront about like you know the the things they think you're doing wrong or whatever. Like mm. you know, it it it, it disarms you because you're like, well, this person can't really like you know quote unquote want things from me because they're they're being pretty upfront about how they feel. Like I it it trick me into trusting someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it does make it feel more like a natural conversation that she's not taking Charles's shit. She's there as herself. She's not being fake about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, although, <laughs> I'm just like this thing, because, like, Charles is, like, really sauce about the whole thing, which is, which is fair uh, and accurate. But he, he, like, he calls the beers she's brought him, like, a bribe. Mm. And I just thought that was kind of insulting that, like, he thinks the best she can do in terms of a bribe is $30 of, like weird beer like mm. like you know i would have been insulted that he thinks that's what i thought was bribe worthy <laughs> just a very just a, just one six pack is enough to turn charles around oh, no, it is two six packs Ruben. Yeah, she's not a complete mistake, beer. I, yeah. I don't know it's just like how dare you assume that i would bribe you with only 12 beers like you know mm. i'd bribe you with way cooler shit than this <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, Verona kind of reveals that the reason that she's here is she wants to be Charles's uh, sense check. Yeah, I, I just want to once again reference that thing Zed said in like Arc 12 or 13 about how most pr- practitioners never meet the judges and some maybe will at like the mm. pinnacle of their practitioner journey. Yep. And yet here's 14-year-old Verna, Verona kind of stomping into the Carmine's domain being like, listen to me, you dumbass. Like, mm. that's so good yeah um it is pretty good isn't it <laughs> um it's a bold it's a bold strategy and it's a it's a great extension on what Verona was talking about of kind of like ingraining herself with charles yeah it's 
yeah, like, I don't know if it's going to lead to a big moment, but as we see in this chapter, uh, like, Verona is getting information. Like, she, she calls out some of the information that she gets here, and it's useful. Like, she finds some useful info, right? Yeah, I'm uh, absolutely. Like, this this seems to work, uh, yeah. as far as I can tell. Like, um, yeah, like, you know, I guess as Verona sort of says, like, she brings up that comparison, you know, that we love to uh, parrot as well about, like, her and Alexander being similar. And, um, like, this is just that conniving practitioner shit that you love to see. Like, this is Verona playing the game and it's some of the best she's ever done. Like, mm. um. It, it, it's not just that she's like ingraining herself with Charles, but as you say, she's elite, like getting him to leak info. Like she's doing like 10 things at once and kind of getting away with it. Cause <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like, I think the, the thing that really sold it for me is the part where like, she's genuinely able to connect with him a bit. Cause she's like, she does tie it into her own journey and like compares herself with Charles. And she's like, yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I sort of didn't realize how lonely I was until I wasn't. And, mm. you know, I, you know, would have been a bad person if I'd grown up around the wrong people. So, you know, I, I don't really see us as that different. It, like, it just kind of, it, it works because it's all true, but it's yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is very good. Um, it's worth making the point, though, like, I don't know, Charles isn't, he's stupid in some ways, but I don't think he's completely an idiot. No, And so it, it was interesting to me to raise the question that Verona doesn't necessarily ask this chapter of like, am I giving information up to Charles in the same way that I'm getting information from him? Like, I, I was kind of curious of like, does Charles see a reason for allowing this kind of thing? You know, um, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really notice anything, but I thought it was interesting. It's not a question that Verona really thinks about. I think she kind of does maybe indirectly because she, a lot of the info she gathers is on the information he already knows. Yeah. Like he brings up that he knew about her chat with Taddy last chapter. So that kind of confirms that anything said in the domain he knows about, which I think we already knew, but it's just like, I think she gets a bit of a vibe of like how much he's ambiently picked up based on a few comments he makes. Mm. So I think, and I guess based on the comments he makes, you kind of get the vibe. He just kind of ambiently knows kind of most of it. Like I feel, like, I feel like the vibe is he probably knows most of the important stuff already. So uh, uh, like this is much better for Verona than it is for him in terms of information gathering. Cause I kind of get the vibe. He's going to know all of it anyway. I don't know what she can let slip that he can't already figure out. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, probably he already knows enough for this not to be too much of a giveaway. Yeah. Well, like, I think the Canateers are working with a lot less information than he is. So just by, like, uh, you know, statistics, like, you know, they're going to get more than he, than he can. Yeah. Um, there's that funny line where Verona asks, how often are people asking you, are you okay? And Charles' response is, I don't need that. Which is so, like, <laughs> it's like a stereotypically clearly wrong response and he just seems to not uh not even notice that he's saying something so clearly silly yeah this guy needs a fetch who he can he can learn to self-reflect with i think um yeah. i mean and he, he kind of disproves this like you could almost call him gainsaid for uh because at the end yes. of the um bit like as she's leaving he he's like thank you for asking like it genuinely seems to have mattered so uh get get gainsaid idiot yeah, fuck you, Charles. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so so Charles and Verona kind of continue to chat and he kind of isn't really buying what she's selling to an extent. Um, there's this moment where Charles says, I know you're plotting to stop me, kind of, you know. Well, as she's starting, as it's starting to work, he pivots to, oh, I yeah, know you're planning to stop me. To kind of call out the elephant in the room, right? And Verona doesn't answer this at all. Verona's response is like, oh, that sounds like paranoia, which is like <laughs> a, such an obvious practitioner not know. Um, but it doesn't, seem to matter like charles you know he's smart enough to know that it's a trap but lonely enough that it kind of yeah. still is working on him anyway or maybe he's like maybe he sees verona as insignificant enough that it doesn't really make a difference i don't know no i think you're right like the vibe that i got was very much it's like i mean these are the best kind of manipulations we've talked about it on the show before it's ones where even though you know it's a manipulation you're still gonna fall for it like he's that lonely that even though he knows what she's doing he's like he can convince himself that it's still gonna be okay and he just he really wants it like he wants yeah. a friend uh, a, a colleague and like as we said like verona does so much to sort of draw these lines between them and say how she's similar to him in a lot of ways and so it's like I think it's just like this great sort of fairy-esque manipulation of like, yeah, I mean, look, I I admit I'm trying to manipulate you a bit or whatever, but like I'm still offering something you want and, you know, it's yeah. a good enough offer you're going to say yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, I mean, you know, it works. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I suppose I wanted, to, I wanted to quote the moment where um, Charles compares her to Alexander. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, oh, you remind me of Alexander. And she's like, yeah, people have said that. And then he's like, a key point worth keeping in mind is that Alexander tended to respect the intelligence of those around them and raised himself up to match and exceed them. Take a lesson from that. And I just thought this was hilarious advice coming from the dude he foreswore. Like, it's like, you're telling her to be more like Alexander and and raise yourself up to match the intelligent people. Alexander deemed you worthy of being forsworn rather than being raised up. So maybe reflect on that bud like this is weird advice to be giving out yeah i mean it's weird that that (laughs) he's giving her advice to be more like alexander when that's so clearly somebody that he hated right like that his whole thing was basically because he hated alexander yeah but ruben if we know one thing about charles it's that a social situation exploiting in his face isn't going to stop him from hopping straight back into the same bullshit this is like yeah like yeah Verona is like his new Alexander like this is what he keeps doing and like you know he's always like oh I hope I'm not making the same mistakes now that I've partnered up with my new buddies Marissa and Edith and Liz (laughs) it's like no you fucking are you keep doing this and now at least now he's doing it with Verona like someone we can trust rather than another dipshit yeah like I'd much if he's going to make this mistake for the four billionth time at least he's doing it with somebody who's going to use it well (laughs) yeah I suppose um (laughs) But yeah, I, I guess it's also worth calling back to uh, the chat with Lucy last chapter as well, because, um, well, in part, because it feels like the story is begging us to putting putting the chapters side by side like this. But um, uh, like, you know, we've talked to death about how Charles can kind of map to Lucy in, in sort of the culprit's overall goals and stuff. And I, that comparison is really interesting because Verona treats Charles exactly the opposite as she did Lucy last chapter. Mm. Like we talked already, Verona, like, you know, talked to Lucy and was like a comforting shoulder and a thing of support and validation. Whereas, you know, she's come to Charles giving him a, a swift kick up the ass and is telling him everything he does sucks. Um, yeah. 
like I guess in between Verona and Charles kind of connecting on their own level and bringing out their own similarities and why they're being partnered up by the story it's also worth like noticing how as Charles has become the the Lucy gone wrong it's causing Verona to treat him in the exact opposite way to Lucy who's gone right yeah yeah (laughs) um uh another thing as well in this segment uh we kind of get confirmation this is one of the the tidbits charles lets slip that some of the others aren't necessarily just sticking to his parameters so the the like bjorgman being let go by the dropped call wasn't really a charles plan that's just something this network of his lords is doing kind of without his say so I'm not going to lie, that kind of makes sense, but I guess I just assumed he was on board with plans like that if they were doing it. Now it's a bit like, yeah, what have you done, Charles? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't fully control them, right? No, and I, well, I mean that's not really a surprise, right? Like, it'd be weird if he was building automatons or whatever. Like that go- that goes against both what he and uh, Kenneth stand for, but. Mm. I guess I don't know. I just had assumed any of their players, like the Bjorgman, were. Well, with him in mind, but like if he's not on board with them doing shit like that, that like that's big shit they're pulling that's going to go catastrophically wrong if he doesn't manage it. Mm. It's, just, it's so fucked. That's like, uh, uh, like I don't know. Compared to like Muss's House of Cards, at least Muss's House of Cards is like people either leave or they fall in line. Charles's is like you fall in line or you're blowing shit up. Like it's how has he made something worse? it's his whole deal i know but (laughs) you know just every time Mm. um uh i mean it it, like this is sort of where the the conversation starts to pivot to massa and it just gets a lot more fun because it's like when we start talking about the topic that you know both charles and kenneth could agree on is fuck massa like you know when they switch to the enemy of my enemy is my friend vibes like this this the the tone of this conversation just becomes a, a thousand times more fun yes that's true uh especially because like charles was like i can get away with this because i've labeled muster an enemy of the seal and it's like oh, <laughs> like so ridiculous i'm i mean he's right he is I, like, like kenneth will 100 percent back that interpretation but as if charles isn't like yeah it's it, so like you're just breaking it the other way yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's again this the, the same thing charles keeps doing which is just <laughs> <laughs> he hates when the rules are broken against him, but he t- is very happy to break the rules in his own favor. Like it's just yeah. pure hip- oh. hypocrisy again. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, Charles has one more other he needs to make, and he consults Verona. What does she think he should throw at Massa? Wait, this is so fucking cool. Yeah, like I was just talking about how. Here. Yeah, when it when it's pointed at Massa, this conversation got fun, but this is, like, next level. This was fucking amazing. Mm. Yeah, it is um, it is very fun. <laughs> uh, Verona makes a very fun other, and I just kind of have this vibe of it's going to come back to bite them somehow, and I kind of can't <laughs> wait. Well, the, yeah, the thing that was jumping out to me is Verona was, like, putting this together. Is it was like, okay, so you swap, like, tools and abilities with the the person you most recently fought and my my first instinct was the kenneteers are like notoriously easy on their enemies like they're constantly holding back like brona's like yeah i reckon we could take them if the roles were reversed we're pretty good at like you know working with what we've got it's like i don't think you understand how in most situations you have a lot more than your opponents and like Mm. like you know imagine 
um like god i don't know uh lucy having to fight milo sonjate with their abilities reversed like milo would fucking wreck house yeah yeah <laughs> it's an interesting other i i kind of like it i like yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea i like the idea behind it i think it's cool yeah it's just very fun it, it was funny because at first i didn't realize it was going to be sort of like a sort of ritual incarnate kind of vibe mm. um so <laughs> there's this like it, it's hilarious how verona is like she goes from admonishing charles for like playing with fire creating all these lords who are going after the bjorgman but her like initial pitch for an other was let's give Mossa a taste of his own medicine and at first i was like god are we creating like an incarnation of Mossa or like what do we do and then it ends up being like a a, a sort of ritual incarnate and i was like okay that's better but like mm. for a second i was like jesus christ verona like creating some sort of muscle like other doesn't seem like a good idea <laughs> i'm glad yeah. it wasn't i mean verona is very good at she 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 you know she sets up oh this thing's not gonna like fuck with us right like she's she's good at trying to make sure this isn't gonna be a real a real fucking monkey's paw situation but even so i do think it's gonna come back and bite them somehow and i just can't wait well, no, literally the first thing it does when it gets, when Charles finishes oh, it, his making it, is it tries, yeah, of course, it, it tries yeah. to loop her in and Charles is like, oh, not here, not now. Not now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just hold on a little bit, mate. <laughs> Get her soon, soon. Yeah. Like, it's just this moment of like, Verona, like, this is really cool, but like, also, the fuck have you done? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Having said that, though, like, if the only others you have to fight are ones that you've created and know the weaknesses for, that's probably an advantage. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be that bad for them or whatever. It's just so funny that, like, the universe is just giving Verona a little poke to maybe, like, think about what she just did when this thing immediately tries to wrap her into its bullshit that she just made. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, like, the big thing here is, like, you can tell Verona and Charles are having an absolute ball doing this together. Like, I'd be willing to stake the claim that this is the most fun Charles has had in like a decade. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it is cool. Like, you know, the reason this works is because with Verona, they're working to make an other specifically to fuck over people like muscle. Like it's the lead in, you know, as, as she talked about with Lucy, like in the previous chapter, Lucy is like, we need to find a way to take muscles privilege away and make the Hills taller for him. And Verona puts that into practice with Charles here. And that's so fucking fun. Like, you know, we're using, we're pointing Charles's tools in a way that Kenneth can kind of approve of. Mm. And it, it's just so fun. It's like, Charles, don't you see it could always be like this if you'd stop being a cunt for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're making a situation that makes it that nobody wants to hang out with you. So just yeah. stop doing that and you'll have friends yeah. again, mate. Yeah, well, do this sort of thing more often and Kenneth won't hate you as much. I mean, also, you'll probably have to apologize for killing John, but like, Mm. yeah or just make a half-baked simulacro of him i'm sure that will <laughs> smooth I mean, it, it out but we've already got like a dozen of those we don't need another one you know <laughs> that's the that's the only problem with this offer there mm. um uh, also like it, i thought it was funny too because when we saw the negatives talk about charles they were very much like they're terrified of charles and marissica was the vibe they gave off in the in that bathroom scene yes and, like, I just love that because Charles is apparently a huge hard-ass with them and he terrifies them. Meanwhile, Verona's just here, his bard building another with him. Like, what is he doing with the negatives that it's... Like, what is what is the point of awakening them if they're not hitting that niche for him either? Like, he, it's just... Charles is so funny. 
Mm. He's just such such a funny guy sometimes. Like he awoke a bunch of he, he awoke a bunch of people, but he's not even using them to curb his like chronic loneliness. <laughs> well, you can't make friends, right? I mean, he's trying. I guess Charles literally can actually make friends. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... <laughs> it's literally his job. Um, he's got that guy outside. Maybe maybe he's really good friends with the guy with the sentient weapon. You don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was, like it's so funny to me that like uh, you know the negatives have been told that you know Lucy and Verona and Avery are the devils and uh, blah blah blah. Or maybe not the devils because they might think they work for the devil. But um, it's just so funny that he's created people who are like scared and specifically scared of the Kenneteers too. Meanwhile, he's just hanging out, having the most fun he's had in a decade with Verona, and it's just like, how do you not see how fucking stupid this all is? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, to get a bit more tinfoil though, mm. so one of the power sources they decide to use for this other is the divine energy. And Charles contributes it himself. And, you know, Verona in her sneaky, you know, uh, info gathering asks why he's not using Marisica. And one of his, well, his first excuse is actually that Marisica is a different sort of power. And that's, jumped out as interesting to me because i was like i i don't have the firmest grasp of how divine energy works or whatever but i would have thought that like blood goddess isn't too far off carmine in terms of flavors of divine energy mm. so i i mean i guess he's more rooted in the seal as the carmine so maybe it was just more compatible with the seal as the basis but like I know this just jumped out to me as like we still don't really understand what Marisica's shtick as a blood goddess is or whatever, and the fact that she apparently wouldn't be that helpful for this other has we sitting here like is this? I don't know. I, I like to tinfoil. I wonder if Marisica is misleading us about what her godly domain even is. Yeah, I, I still feel like we have such a little grasp on what Marisica's whole deal is, right? Yeah, like we've kind of all assumed. Oh, at least I had assumed that it was violency oriented because blood and, you know, her best friend is the Carmine. Uh, but the fact that Charles didn't see her as relevant to making this other just has me thinking, like, I don't know. I reckon, I reckon there's something going on. You know, it's fucking Marisica. So I feel like maybe there's something going on here and she's not. It, we're going to fight. Like, it's a, it's a very different interpretation when it comes to what her divine domain is. Because I, I assume divine energy kind of works like you know like pagan gods right where it's like you have your domain and your energy is just kind of you're really good at everything to do with that so like mm. divine energy from charles makes anything to do with violence a hundred times easier um tashlet's weird sea serpent power makes whatever the domain of that god was easier like so i feel like we're gonna find out mariska has i don't even know some other domain that isn't quite what we're expecting yeah yeah um so yeah the, the, they wrap up their conversation business concluded uh verona has a get at, get home free card and she uses it to stop by Guillaume's cave on the way home yeah oh, and alpi's cave as it turns out she's very clever and constantly talking about Guillaume's cave but she's actually there to see <laughs> alpi yes um worth noting as they're wrapping up this conversation though verona kind of points out to charles they need to it's clear that what Musser and the Wild Hunt want to do is kind of fuck with the Kenneteers until they get sicked on Marcy. But 
if they sick the wild on on Marcy, then Charles is going to be like, no, you've broken our truce. It's just like yeah. really fucked. They're in such a fucked situation. Yeah, because I can't have been the only one who like when they when Verona started going here, I was like, oh god, hopefully she can find out something to help us fight the wild hunt. And all we get is an option officially crossed off the list. Like it, it already probably wasn't an option, but now it's definitely not an option. It's like mm. not the best recon trip for the wild hunt problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> so, I mean, I. I, I Asking Estrella to get them to leave was like the only other idea I've ever had. And like now I'm just like, that can't be a good option, but I don't know what other ideas they could possibly have. Mm. Aside yeah, from, I don't know. Yeah, like Gilanay doing a sacrifice has been an idea I know a lot of us have thought about. It's like, but that, that feels too easy. Mm. Yeah. Also, Lucy won't let that happen without a fight, I imagine. She's got a bit of a chip on her shoulder regarding that whole shtick. <laughs> yes for sure but it feels like that's probably what's going to happen like i don't know yeah i, I don't feel like losing gillame would be all of it though like i like i don't i you know the winter hunters made it pretty clear they're not okay with just gillame like you know they, they might take gillame but also there's going to have to be some other price to pay mm, yeah yeah um anyway so yeah, Verona has a dream and uses it to pass a message to Edith without Charles spying on them that they need to talk, which is weird, wild. <laughs> also, the fact that like this is the the sexy time dream is such a fun reveal because like <laughs> b- because the previous section ends with Alpi talking to Verona, and then we cut to like this weird snowstorm apropos of nothing, and I was like, I'm so clever. I think this might be a, a nightmare. Like, mm. you know, real proud of myself for not falling for this trick for the one billionth time. And then it turns out it's not an Alpi dream. It's, um, you know, her mate, the sick time one, it's like Verona weaponizing the fact that she found out Charles isn't a pervert. Like, it's, it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, pretty fun. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, the part that worries me about this is what are they planning why i just don't nothing good can come of this right like i don't know it, it, uh, so my understanding based on what verona said in, in this is that like verona wants to use edith to know when charles and marcy are busy so that they can do whatever plan they come up with at the opportune time mm. like that role rook used to sort of hit for them uh, against massa mm. um and I think Edith makes sense for that because she obviously she got screwed by the other culprits a bit. Um, she's demonstrably easy to manipulate. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is a good play. I think I think Edith is like the right kind of pitiable. Like if they can find a way to offer her something that's not Matt that she might want, I, I, I can see this being good. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, it, what do they have to offer her beyond the obvious is the question, right? Like, I don't know. Well, I think the last time we saw her, she was starting to accept the fact that she wasn't going to get Matt. So it's like, I don't know what she can possibly want. Mm. Fetch Matt. God, that's a cursed option. Um, <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, like, I, I think this is going to be the interesting thing is the next time we see Edith, I feel like is going to, like the big question I'll have going into it is, who is she and what does she want if she's seemingly moved past this unhealthy obsession a little bit? Mm. Um, 
So it's hard to know what she might want until we've had those questions answered, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of our chapter discussions for this week. Now, of course, before we finish up, we've got a discussion question uh, that, that we've had answers to that we've got to review. Um, our discussion question over the past fortnight was, if you were trying to replace the current Ontario judge setup, what would you replace it with? Now, Elliot, we came up with this discussion question two weeks ago. Yeah, um, we didn't get too many answers, but also I was kind of like, well, hell of a time to ask about overthrowing about a metaf- metaphorical uh, Supreme Court. Like, I know, I know. Oh, my God. I'd like, to think that, I'd like to think that part of the reason we didn't get answers for this one is just because it was a bit too real for everyone. It was... Um, yeah. I, I yeah. was reading through the answers this morning and being like, oh, yeah. this is uh, very timely yeah <laughs> i had the same thing it literally hadn't occurred to me until i started reading the answers and i was like fuck we we picked a hell of a time to ask this question didn't we yeah um anyway yeah <laughs> should we get into the answers we let's got? get into it um i'll start with uh propaganda pagoda's answer which was a lot of what i saw as like common sense reform this answer had a lot of like trying to bring the justice, the, sorry, the judges system more in line with modern um, uh, yeah. justice systems. So things like term limits, appeals functions, like tighter, more focused jurisdictions, like all these kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, specifically, uh, like the thing that jumped out to me is interesting was the idea of having, yeah, the much smaller uh, areas that they, they, they adjudicate over, like, the impression I got from Propaganda Pagoda's answer at one point was that they were picturing judges kind of per lordship, um, yeah. which is just, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I This is something I go back and forth on with, like, designing systems like this because, like, when you have smaller ones like this, that's more ways for, like, some shitheels to end up as the judges for one area and, like, causing a ruckus. Um, whereas, like, I think it is harder for someone to do that in a big system obviously not impossible because we've got like charles um or real world analog of your choice but um like i don't know i i get scared a bit by the idea of having lots of judges in smaller jurisdictions because it feels like it's easier for places to get closed off and like end up in a bad way Mm, yeah 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 i think it makes a lot of sense like one of the things that from this answer that i think was good was the the suggestion of judges having multiple roles, like not just being judges because that leads them to being just in their own kind of, yeah, not echo chamber, but just not being exposed to enough stuff to, to have a kind of holistic view of things. Yeah. I really liked that idea of, yeah, like it's meant to be a part-time gig or something. Um, mm. was fun. Also, yeah. T- term limits, obviously. I mean, it, it, you know, real life, other verse, what it just term limits guys. Come on. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, on along a kind of similar line was a response from VBA, the flying head, um, <laughs> which was about, uh, again, kind of bringing it more in line with the common, uh, justice system, like adding juries, prosecutors, and the right to a lawyer, the right to a competent defense kind of stuff. Um, I love the idea of a defense attorney or a prosecutor. I think both of those would be a great job for Lucy. I think she'd be so fun mm. as, as like a actually just trying cases in front of the judges. I think would be great. Yeah. I, I feel like if Lucy had to pick, she'd probably go prosecutor over defense, but yes. you're right. Like, I mean, 
obviously she's leaning into law practices right now so this this isn't a leap to think oh she'd be a good lawyer Mm. um yeah i don't uh, juries are interesting though because i don't know that i'm so fussed on the idea of juries at least in their current version at least in the australian system like jury like juries can really suck right because it's if it's 12 of your peers or whatever like 12 of my peers suck like a lot more than 12 it's very easy to get juries that suck and you see cases like that in the u.s as well a lot like um i'd I'd be interested to see like i think juries pulled from different forces in the other verse could be really fun like juries built from like fairy goblin um i don't know ruins a bit i don't i don't know how you divide this shit up right but like i think an important aspect of the juries has to be diversity Mm. like i want to know that this is something that's agreed upon by various forces not just like you don't want to end up with a jury of 12 goblins deciding like a no, fairy's fate right you want like, it to be a representative jury right yeah and i i just don't know that you know australia and america's systems really ever achieve that because if you live in a place that's mostly white then the jury is going to be mostly white and then it's going to be very biased so you gotta mm. you gotta make sure that there's an effort to diversify the jury i think yeah yeah um i uh, Yep, and then we also had an answer from Dr. Brosif, um, who picked an answer that I really liked. <laughs> uh, pick somebody random, and they have to make the decisions without their memories, was basically what I would boil down Dr. Brosif's answer to, right? Um, their memories are sealed away, so they don't know if the decisions they're making will affect them specifically or how they'll affect them specifically. They're completely random, so they could be anybody, so they kind of will have to look out for everyone and i've heard i've heard like versions of this theory referencing like modern political systems as well of like if you pick somebody random mm. not without the locking away the memory stuff but if you pick somebody random then society will at least need to somewhat cater to everybody because anybody could be picked to be the next you know president or whatever right um and i think there's yeah. some some interesting thoughts there um and it's better than some systems i suppose <laughs> um yeah isn't isn't this the thing from Monty Python and the Holy Grail kind of like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it like the the memory the locking memories away thing I think is really fun. Like it reminds me of that Doctor Who episode where the the Doctor stops that war by making everyone look the same, and then they don't know whether they're the goodies or the baddies. Mm-hmm. Um, like just this idea of like if you're somebody who's ruling, but also you don't know what segment of the population you are from you're going to be more inclined to be fair to all of them mm. um yeah I, this is definitely like the the wild and dr- drastically different idea but it's fun yeah um yeah i think it is fun i i i feel like charles is part of what charles is doing is making downtrodden populations in the other cities right so so even like the idea of that that means there's a lot of people that potentially could be selected who could if they had their memories, potentially, no, okay, got to do some reforms to improve the situation of, you know, us in the Undercity. Like, I don't know, I feel like it could be good. Yeah, no, I can I can see this working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good, some good answers to the discussion question this fortnight. Um, time yes. for a new discussion question, Elliot. I've written yeah, one down. Now, what do you think? I, I have a pitch as well. All right, let's um, pitch it, and then the people in Discord can choose which they like. Yeah, okay, cool. This will give me an opportunity to write mine out in okay. not one word. 
So here's my discussion question. Make an other to counter a specific practitioner in the story, and we'll try and guess who you're countering. That's it. It's just a fun little game where we get to make others and uh, figure out who they're trying to counter. I thought that would be cool. Um, now, Elliot, I see you're still writing your discussion question. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I don't need to write the second half because I'm actually <laughs> just going to steal yours. Um, which is mine was basically going to be what gifts or bribes would you buy for a character in in Pale? Um, a character or an other, and then I guess I'll just steal the back half of yours, and it's like, and then uh, the people oh, have to try, try and guess, guess who it's oh, for. I like that. Those are just both fun. Because we've seen a lot of talks of gifts and bribes in the past uh, yeah, two Christmas weeks of the story. as well, I think we saw yeah. a lot of. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm easily impressed. Nail, which I think it, we know who that one is. Okay, so yeah, vote, cool. vote in Discord now, and we'll choose which of those is a discussion question. Maybe we'll do the other one in like a fortnight or a month or whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but while we're waiting to figure out which discussion question we, is going to win the vote, a reminder, folks, that you can head to the link in our show notes to find our Pale Predictor form where you can leave us your predictions. And uh, if you leave us good predictions, we'll read them out on the show. You can uh, head in there to make predictions if you want. We're approaching rapidly the end of the story, so there's a lot of space mm. for predictions about. Uh, are we? Sorry. Are, are just... we? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> okay. um, but there's a lot of space for predictions about how is the gang going to deal with the wild hunt? How are they going to deal with Charles and Marcy? What the fuck's Master going to do when he comes back? You know, all that jazz. Um, it yeah. sounds like the gift question is the... Oh, no. I oh, don't no. know. My question is the winner because I've got a few emoji reacts on that. Where, so I think uh, I won. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. I won. Ha, I... ah, suck it, Ellie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got oh, two no. votes for gift and I think two or three votes for the for the other one so yeah I, I yeah our new discussion question is this make an other to counter a specific practitioner in the story and we'll try and guess who you're countering you can leave your answer to that discussion question in our discussion thread which is linked down in the show notes same place that we have the link to our pale predictor form so you can head into both of those uh yes you can also find us on twitter at pale reflect cast genuinely memes are being posted there daily Every this day. this was this was a shock to people because we were lying about what well, we there were lies spread about that for a while uh i won't name names but um it's true again memes every day boom 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 <laughs> god we got a bunch of cool memes there so check it out <laughs> and uh yeah uh if you want to support the show you can head to doofmedia.com sorry i got confused between yeah. the patron and our website for a second there <laughs> if you want to find out more about the network you can head to doofmedia.com and find out more about all the great shows on the network or support us by going to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia yes and don't forget to stop by wildbo's patreon patreon.com forward slash wildbo and you know bribe him to bribe more of pale with uh the monetary equivalent of some beer which yeah. is money <laughs> money yeah the 30 dollars <laughs> you would have spent on moldy beer Um, alright folks thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time farewell farewell